All right, so uh, I cut the music a little short because this is part two with Deech Kirk. Uh, Deech, we had a great part one, and we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. Um, before we get back into the CYMT stuff, which we'll do in just a second, because I've got several more questions I want to ask you. But Pastner, Josh Pastner, Memphis Tigers coach, finally got us that top 25 win that has eluded him for the past four years. Um, Oklahoma State two weeks ago. How, how did you feel when he finally won a big game? That oh, was awesome. Felt great for him and for the team. And I'm, I've been one of those guys that has been like, you know what, I hope he makes it. He's such a nice guy. I want him to be successful. But I have wondered if he can coach. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, it's probably the CYMT executive director in me who looks at him and goes, okay, <laughs> he's, a, he's a whole lot like our young youth ministers who come in. He's got skills. He's got gifts, um, but he didn't know what he's doing. And so, you know, it's amazing how much they learn about youth ministry and how much better they are at it three years after they've been in our process along the way. He's in his fourth year, and what I saw in that game was that he was learning how to coach. His players are responding to him, and I have the ultimate faith that he's going to get better and he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach someday. Well, I hope that you're right. Obviously, as a Tigers fan, I do. But but now on the CYMT stuff and these youth ministers, and if you're listening to this and you haven't heard our first podcast with Deech Kirk, Deech is the executive director of the Center for Youth Ministry Training, uh, which partners churches and youth ministers who the church provides a place for them for three years to minister while they get a master's degree in youth ministry. So it's combining the practical and the theological in a, in a sort of construct that allows for growth, for learning, uh, this mentoring relationship with the coach like we talked about at the end of the podcast. Now, as director and, and as a coach, what do you, you know, like are there certain pitfalls that you see youth ministers just making the, in those first three years? What are some big pitfalls that you see youth ministers fall into? Well, um, some of them are overconfidence. Um, So you get a group of them who are overconfident in their abilities to do things and then fall in a pit because they really didn't know what they thought they knew. We've got the other side, which is underconfident, um, Mm -hmm. who has more gifts and skills than they think they do, and you got to pump them up as a coach. Um, And then a lot of them fall into this category where uh, the things that they are struggling with uh, and I think this is for overconfident, underconfident in the middle, it's the adult relationships. They usually do fine with the teenagers. Um, they've done that. They've been a camp counselor. Mm-hmm. They know yeah. how to do those things. They've got growing edges related to learning how to lead lessons and teach and do that stuff. But almost all of them struggle with talking to parents, thinking that they have anything to say about how to raise a family yeah. or parent, um, and then they struggle with their senior pastors and boards and um, finance committees and and all those things. So those are the greatest uh, growing edges is adult relationships. And I guess most of us get into youth ministry because of our ability to connect to our hearts for teenagers. Right. So I guess it stands to reason that that's going to come more slowly, the, the skill set to work with parents. But do you see that? You know, I look back on my three years, and I think three years in, I wasn't that much better at working with parents than I was at day zero. Are you able to see growth within a three-year process through this coaching and the CYMT process? Well, the biggest thing is that when we start out in youth ministry, if we don't have anybody coaching us, 
Um, we either avoid parents, um, we right. don't know how to minister exactly them, and so we, do, so we don't do it. Yeah. Um, and our, we force it. I mean, they can't get away with that because it's such an important component of youth ministry that they, they've got to do it. So what happens is is that they because difference between twenty five year old and a twenty two year old related to helping parents parent is very minuscule. They don't right. they don't know a ton, but we can teach them how to resource their parents, and we can teach them how to surround themselves with parents mm-hmm. who are good at helping other parents. Bring parents into the ministry right. team. So biggest mistake and probably should have been the answer is the biggest mistake that the young youth ministers make is that it's their job to disciple all these teenagers. Mm-hmm. The whole job belongs to them. In reality, uh, the youth ministry has got to be spread out and owned by the whole church. So there's no reason that we can't have a ministry of parents with the whole church behind it. Um, right. And the youth ministry plays a role in organizing that, but they do not have to be the be-all, be end-all in how they relate to parents. Um, can, the, can other adults go to the finance committee meeting and argue for the yeah. youth ministry budget? Absolutely. And you should. It'd be yeah, that's an ideal um, scenario. Absolutely. But when they fall back on it's my job, right. they get into that scenario of um, having having a hard time doing the things that they uh, those relationships that are a struggle for them. And that so, seems like it would be a real a real easy thing to, to have a coach that's seen that happen at their own congregation right. step in and work with both the minister and the church right. to say, we, we got to get some adults, we got to get some parents surrounding this guy. Yeah, the coach is helping the church understand that too. The ch- yeah. coach is speaking into the you need to give the mm-hmm. young youth pastor a voice and listen to what they're saying. If you don't, uh, things will rub the wrong way. So, well, What have you learned um, about youth ministry about yourself about your faith about life from from this process the last seven years working with uh, other youth ministers and leading them has that you know teaching them and leading them has that taught you anything oh sure um one thing that's taught me is and we have always known this in youth ministry but this ideal youth pastor who plays the guitar has a goatee um (laughs) you know plays basketball also skateboards can preach with the best of them, and also organize things. Just speaks, those, speaks Greek fluently. Right. And you just got to go to you know, a job board to find people who believe mm-hmm. those people are still out there. Um, the beautiful part is, is that every year we're bringing in 12 youth ministers who are, they're so different. And um, one of the great learnings we've had is just, it's, it's the call. Yeah. I mean, if God's called, then God will help equip. And our job is to come along and help that equipping process take place. And also help a church understand how to uh, use the strengths that this person brings and help them develop systems around their weaknesses. And originally, seven years ago going into this, I thought we would see a trend towards people having a lot of similarities who did the best. You know, And, and there are some. Yeah. But on the whole, um, I've watched introverts become great youth pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not going to go to the high school football game and be a Pied Piper, and you can't teach them how to do that. But they can um, have a youth group of 30 or 40 kids where they're spending some intimate time with kids on a regular basis and and do awesome things for the kingdom of God. And so this wide variety, and I spend a lot of time helping churches try to understand that it's not this ideal person you're looking for. You're looking for somebody with an ideal call. Because yeah. if they're really called, then we can help um, live into that call. And that's going to be for the benefit of the kingdom. So 
you bring 12 people in a year. Mm-hmm. That's your max that you work with a year. Right. And so over three years, we got 36 in the right. program at a time. Do you ever do you ever see a student apply that isn't called? Where you just say, I don't think this is a calling, man. Well, or, or, yes. Or lady. Y- yes. We, we'll go back to somebody and say, hey, we're, we question you in your, your call. Because um, I hear you saying calling. I mean, that's it. That's well, critical. It's not, it's I mean, critical. if that's not, not there, without the call, yeah, you can't get into our program without being able to articulate the call. So, if if you were to apply to our program at this point and say this would be a great way for me to find out whether I'm, yeah, uh, youth ministry is the right thing for me or not. Well, the problem with that for us is we're about to invest ninety thousand dollars into your education and right. into training you. So you better know <laughs> before you get in before I do that. So you're not going to get in that way, but. Um, just a girl we interviewed yesterday, uh, her call was so clear. She's got an anchor point that she goes back to. So she's struggled with accepting her call since she was 16, and she accepted it, and then some things happened that made her question it, and she's going through that process. But she would always go back to this anchor point, yeah. similar to when I wrote down the, the mm-hmm. vision for CYMT we talked about on the last podcast. She goes back to this spot and goes, but that happened. Yeah. And I can't, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt in mm-hmm. that moment, God was calling me to youth ministry. And when you have that That's space cool. to come back to, then you just got to surround them with the support they need to, uh, to, to live into that. And that's what we try to do. Um, I know Mark DeVries co-founded the mm-hmm. CYMT. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you guys are friends. He's probably a mentor for you. I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, friends uh, for the past eight years, I guess, ten years. It's more like ten years now. Um, and, and he definitely plays a mentor role. We, we bounce back and forth between the peer role and the mentor yeah, role yeah. when I need him to be. Right, you, you co-founded this, so in that sense, your peers, he's a, a little bit farther down oh, the road definitely. of ministry than you are. What we're saying is you're older than me, Mark. He, he, yeah, Mark's older, right. Um We've all learned from, you know, Mark's obviously authored several books that, that have been formative, none more sort of paradigmatically seismic in terms of changing the landscape of youth ministry than family-based youth ministry. So, but y- y- your friends, he's a mentor. What have you learned from his life that, that a guy like me hasn't been able to learn from, from books? Um, I think one of the great things about Mark is as how he has balanced work and and home and his his investment in his kids that uh, who are now all grown mm-hmm. one of his daughters is in our program oh cool um, but uh, the attention when I've been on the road with him whether it was with his youth ministry architects ministry or otherwise his attention to phoning back home and giving time and space for his wife and for his kids um, he is disciplined beyond belief. That's all. I mean, anybody who gets as much done as a man like he does is very disciplined. And I used to think it was because he got up at 5 a.m., but he goes to he goes to sleep at 9 p.m. So it all balances out. Right, but right. he he ha- is very disciplined in his time and how he he uses it, um, and he's very intentional about creating space for uh, Sabbath and. Um, rejuvenation so that he can be focused um, when he's working on things. Uh, not long ago, I uh, ordered the, this book called Raising Teens in an Almost Christian World, A Parent's Guide. Of course, um, 
Kenda Creasy Dean's book, Almost Christian. I had read it, and, and but I didn't know there was a parent's guide for it. I saw it online. I thought, I'm going to get that. That's and, and I've been thinking about, you know, having a class where I get right. parents together to do this. Um, but when but when I first saw it, I didn't realize that the, that you had written it, uh, right. which I thought was really cool. How did that come about? Um, to me, you're the Memphis Tiger fan, youth pastor down the road at the at the Methodist Church, uh, and here you are writing this. Did you just get so neck deep in the study that you wanted to be a part of it, or or how did this happen? Um. It's kind of twofold. Kenda is a very good friend of mine, and um, so I was very f- familiar with what she was working on related to National Study on Youth and Religion and Almost Christian. But we had received a grant, and part of the grant— We uh, being CYMT. received a grant, and part of the grant was for us to try to translate some of this high-level research right. around youth and religion into practical tools that folks could use on the ground. And when we signed, got the grant, we weren't sure what that looked like. But one of the things that became really obvious was that Almost Christian was brilliant, but very unaccessible to the average person because it's very heady. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with having a PhD in youth ministry is you have to write books that make it sound like youth ministry is an actual, uh, you know, it's not like church history or um, biblical studies where you write a book and people are like, well, of course there are PhD people in this category. You know, right, right. All those folks look at Kenda and go, seriously? Youth ministry? PhD? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, Almost Christian was really hard for parents to read. And um, so I asked her after reading the uh, pre, before it released, the copy that she sent me, um, I read it and I called her and she said, well, what'd you think? And I said, well, what I'd love to do is rip it up. She goes, oh, well, that's a raising, you know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that review. And I was like, well, it's great. I love it. Except for it's really hard to read. And I'd love to tear out all the parts about research mm-hmm. where you unpack the research and just leave the parts where you preach. Yeah. Um, this is what parents and our church needs to do. And if you could do that, it would be a whole lot more readable. And um, so I shared that. Then we got the grant, and I went back to her, and I said, hey, remember when I said I want to tear up your book? Hey, would you let me do that? Can I can I create a parents guide yeah, where yeah. I'm gonna take a snippet from the National Study on Youth and Religion? I'm gonna summarize your chapter down to like three paragraphs, and then I'm gonna give some thought-provoking questions for parents to think about, and then more importantly, give them some practical tools for what this means around the dinner table um, at their home on Sunday night. And she thought it was great, so we did that. So people will say, "Well, you wrote this book," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I didn't write any of the smart stuff." Um, the National Study on Youth and Religion, Christian Smith wrote that part, and right. Kenda's stuff. I mean, I'm just, if you look at the footnotes, you'll realize that I just ripped, <laughs> ripped her stuff and put it in my book. Well, so. but you do, you do make it accessible. And um, then I try to make it accessible for parents. And it's, uh, it's practical. Uh, it's helpful. It's the kind of thing. I love how you, you've, got, you've got it broken down to, you know, while you're driving home from school today, ask this question to your son or your daughter. I also love the introduction. You know, you, you Kenda Creasy Dean preaches a great sermon in here right. about being the kind of parent that that she she calls it uh, lay off the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's beautiful how if if we don't take a moment to uh, reduce these heady ideas down to something that that 
everybody can use, that a student can actually have a conversation about, that a parent can access in their quiet time with their student or before bed at night, then then maybe we're missing something. Um, I love it, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, it's called Raising Teens in an Almost Christian World, A Parent's Guide, uh, and it's by Dietrich Kirk. And um, I, uh, I'm, I don't know how many of you are going to go buy it, but, but I expect at Otter Creek we'll be doing something like this where we challenge our parents. Maybe we do a Sunday morning class and just say, hey, we're going to be running through this over the next two months. You know, right. put your name here. I'll buy you a copy. Yeah, um, to work through it, and they are, yeah, it's it's cheap, but but not but but also wonderful. Um, okay, so I love to do this because I I learn from it. What are the books, or you know, if there's two books that maybe you think those of us out here in podcast land have never read? Maybe it's a youth ministry book. Maybe it's a book that has nothing to do with youth ministry, but that it blessed you. Uh, I remember Marco Stryker one time saying, you know, one of the best books on youth ministry he's ever read was uh, Orbiting the Giant Hairball by Gordon McKenzie. Right. Has nothing to do with youth ministry at all. This guy, you know, author of a book, he, he used to work at Hallmark, you know, and it's all about creativity. But it was so useful, you know, and it helped me. So what would you say is the book or books that, we might not have heard of, but have, that have blessed Deech Kirk in the pursuit of this calling that God has given you for, to work with teens. Yeah, and such a good question, and really well-read people have great answers to those type of questions. <laughs> and I'm not the world's most well-read person. I've read a ton of stuff on youth ministry, um, but a couple things come to mind. A book that I, uh, a couple new books, one new book, one old book. Tattoos of the Heart, um, which is by somebody. Um, what is his name? Yeah, we can't cut this out of the thing. Um, I'll think of his name in a minute. Tattoos of the Heart, Life of the Beloved um, by Henry Nowen mm-hmm. is a great book. Um, great for senior high, juniors, and seniors in high school. Life of the Beloved. Life of the Beloved. By Henry Nowen. Okay. It's short, easy read, um, but talks about our belovedness, uh, God's and yeah. uh, and Christ and those tying those things together in a way that will bring tears to your eye um, at the same time becomes one of those things I got a an email from a, a youth minister who was a former youth the other day who was just having a hard time and that's what they were saying I'm, I'm just having a hard time so immediately I pulled a clip from life of the blood a quote out of life of the blood yeah. quick Google search just sent her this thing that reminded her who she was in Christ. And, um, you know, she sent back and was like, that's exactly what I needed, um, just to be reminded that this is who I am. Um, a youth ministry book that you won't be aware of it, that I think might be helpful along the um, National Study on Youth and Religion um, lines we were earlier is a book by Stephen Ingram. It's called Hollow Faith, How Andy Griffith, Facebook, and the American Dream Neutered the Gospel. Um, it is an extremely interesting book in that the first part of it is a training guide to help parents or youth workers, meaning youth minister or volunteers, help them unpack what the National Youth Study on Youth and Religion found. The middle section of it is a curriculum, six weeks, on how to deal with moralism, how to deal Uh with deism. Yeah, this all sounds like the the moralistic therapeutic deism that we've created. It's totally a response 
to help unpack what does that mean but then the middle part of it is here's some practical ways that we can counter that with some actual lessons and the final part of it is a parent's guide send home type stuff related to each lesson not very many people are aware of it but Stephen Ingram's piece it's awesome really really Hollow Faith by Stephen Ingram you said uh, the book by Henry Nowen Life of the Beloved Life of the Beloved and Tattoos uh, of the Heart is by Tattoos of the Heart by Gregory Boyle that's just your own personal heart jerker to help remind you of um, uh, what you've been called to and what God's calling you to do I got one more so there's one called It Happens, True Tales from the Trenches of Youth Ministry. Yeah. And CYMT put this together as part of that grant. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a collection of failures by some of the leading youth ministers in the country. So Doug Fields and Chap Clark and a, mo- a lot of major authors who are out there. Kenda's in there. Um, are telling some story from when they were doing hands-on youth ministry and it went bad. It happened. And so, so Bar Campolo's tale of dealing with the backlash from a student's sexting mistake. Exactly. And um, Kenda talks about interviewing while being pregnant um, and, and how that goes. Um, Mark Montgomery's cautionary tale of when volunteers date kids in your youth group. Yes. So, Oh, man, that looks like it would be, I mean, helpful, but also... Interesting. So, so we, like, it's like a train wreck that you're almost, yeah, or a so car wreck that you can't it, take. It your helps eyes you away feel from. better about yourself that other famous youth pastors have have had these issues, Made blunders, yeah. um, or done great. or done worse than you. And so they tell their story, which at this point, looking back, can be told with some right, humor right. related to it. Then they tell what they did in the moment, uh-huh. um, and now they reflect back, going, "Okay, now with even more experience and knowledge, if I could do it again." This is what I would do. That's that, that so, is a great idea for a book. Whose idea for this book was this your idea? Uh, Andrew Zersky and I were driving home and talking about funny things that had happened, yeah. and we said, looked at each other, and go, "That would be a great book." We call it "It Happens." If I I was asked to participate in a a contest one time to see who was the craziest youth right. minister at this work camp, I I uh, t- shot myself in the foot with a BB gun. I still have the BB in my foot. That would be my contribution to yeah. to it happens. Yeah, there we we fully believe that if we let people send in, we would have a hundred editions of this book. It's called our, It Happens: True Tales from the Trenches of Youth Ministry. Will Pinner is the general editor. That is great. Okay, before we go, we're almost done. So, speaking of mistakes, mm-hmm. is there something now? Having spent years in youth ministry and years working with training other youth ministers, you know coming up with ideas for books like this if you went back what would you do differently what 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 did you you know do that you you would undo or what what mistake did you make go back and start over i would grow up faster i was too interested in the beginning to have in kids liking me and so i would compromise um what I knew to be the right thing to do and let kids get away with things because I wanted them to be there and I wanted them to like me. And so those first two years, I I can look back on retreats and different things where I'm like, what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. Um, Why did I let them get away with that? Or, uh, and if, and we work really hard with our young, young youth pastors on and helping them understand that one of the first things you got to do is you got to grow up and take that ownership of being 
um, the not only the role model, but being that role model, you've got to bring the bring yeah. some discipline and some order to things, and and not compromise on those things just so that they'll like you. They actually will like you because you do those things. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things. When I look back at my first three years, I'm like, man, it's a miracle that I didn't get fired. Um, that I mean. I, th- I think that all of us that have been in youth ministry for more than a decade could say that same thing. You know, how, I mean, I got in at the young age and I don't know how, I, mean, I guess I was at a church that, that, you know, let me make some mistakes. Well, there's, there's a key that's to that. the key. You and mean, that's one of the cool things about this three-year, you, you know, partnership. You, you, having a church that has the grace to help you yeah. grow. Um, and I had that. At the same time, mm-hmm. I still did a, some bonehead things yeah, yeah, where... Yeah. Um, I would never do those things. So there's a there's a youth minister, you know, maybe listen to this podcast who's just started his first year of youth ministry, graduated in December. Listen to this because he heard about this at the National Conference on Youth Ministries. Um, you're telling him not to worry about being liked, but but he's got to balance it with if if the students don't like me, I might get fired. You know, what do you say to that guy? Yeah. What do you say to the girl who? you know, needs to be liked or she loses her job. Yeah, well, the, who who needs to be liked? The kids need to be liked or do you need to be liked? Is it about stroking your ego or is it about helping kids experience the love of Christ? And um, You're saying... Too, too, yeah, too often we get caught up in the numbers yeah. and those things and how it makes us feel. What really needs to happen in the moments that you're describing Kids will like you if you love them. That's what it sounds like. Kids are so yeah. hungry I love for people. Your answer. People are so hungry. Not just kids. People are so hungry for somebody yeah. to genuinely love them. If you genuinely love that kid, you don't have to worry about being liked. Right. Um, and That's even awesome. even the hard kid, even the kid who's not reflecting any love back towards you, who may be incapable of loving you back. Well, I mean, at, at this time in their right, life, exactly. under the circumstances they're living in, in this time and place, um, you never know. You get these notes from kids who you thought were the hardest nuts, and you tried and you tried, and you get those notes years later that says, "Hey, you know what? You did make a difference." Um, so that, that would be my advice. That's, love, love that's the great. Kid, love the kids, and the liking part will take care of itself. Well, I can't do anything to improve on that. I'm starting our bumper music. To finish this thing out, uh, and I'm about to get a hug. Yeah, now, man. I've got to do a side hug, but I would be willing to go actual oh, hug. Full frontal hug. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I just have enjoyed so much visiting with you, Deech. Thank you uh, for sharing your life and heart with us. Who's going to be on the digital side hug next time? I don't know, Deech. Do you know? I don't know. I have no idea, but we'll find out together. All right, see you then. <laughs>